Guys, welcome back to the Built for Life podcast. We are recording slightly later this week because Jane was away in Dusseldorf steaming. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. To be fair, she has like two nights out a year. She's used one and she needs to use the next one extremely wisely, which I think will probably be my wedding night. But then we've got Calvin Harris at Ushaya after that as well. So, I mean, she's going to have to go over a yearly total, I think. I'll maybe push the boat out and let myself enjoy myself twice. We'll see if I survive. (laughs) But regardless, she's here. We didn't want to record this last week because she had a lot on last week on the lead up. This woman has slept like three hours a night for the past month, I think. (laughs) Surviving, mate. Surviving. So she needed a rest. But today we wanted to explore myths part two because we already done a a myth episode before and it hit pretty well. And I think it's something that a lot of people still currently experience within the industry, but it's something that... So many people are feeding you from a social media perspective, um, a Facebook ads perspective. Like there's so many angles that you can be fed so much bullshit and we just want to basically tell you the truth. (laughs) And listen, our intention is never to make you feel stupid that you believe these things. We believed a ton of shit, a ton of shit back in the day. Even me as a coach, the things I prescribe to people, I will take to my grave with me now. (laughs) 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 it will totally dilute my reputation but um we're probably going to talk more about training myths this time around as me and jane discussed previously what do you think of that jen yeah absolutely i think um as you'll all know i was like the prime candidate of believing myths um and like we've said before like i think myths have got a lot more intelligent now um, so I think like everybody knows now you need to wear a calorie deficit to lose weight. Like that's not that's not like a big hitting piece of information. Um, and I think that over time the myths have had to get more clever in, in order to sell you products that you think that you need, um, which is a huge part of the reason why I was training in a bin bag to sweat more. <laughs> um, and I can now we can all now have a good laugh at my expense. Um, and I think it's funny because when I think back to the myths that I believed, all of the the only reason I was training was to lose weight. So all I was interested in were the things that would help me facilitate a better, a higher degree of fat loss. And I had no understanding of training for like overall like body composition and like like good bones, good muscles, like health, right? All of those things were just like and mental health, like all of those things were just a pure alien concept to me. Um, and I think I'll, I'll definitely not be alone in that one. And I think one of the biggest ones, one of the earliest ones, I mean, there's so many, I feel like we could be here all day. Fasted cardio always sticks out to me. I, I think we might have mentioned that that before on here, just briefly. Um, maybe, I can't remember, but I think it maybe was quite brief. Um, yeah. But listen, when I was going through my prep days, I was on the fasted cardio train. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like it, I, I feel like at that point in time, right? So this would have been 2011, 2012, 2013. Yeah, I feel like what was happening around that time was a lot of people were like competing in shows, yeah. who were also personal trainers, and then were just treating all their clients like they were also competing and prepping for shows, right? Yeah. So the amount of bodybuilders that I've had training me, who I was like, I just don't, I just want to be less fat, mate. I'm not really. <laughs> Like, I'm really fucked up at this. Um, so I feel like fasted cardio was like the thing, like you like you were a fucking chump if you weren't doing fasted cardio. There was no point in you doing anything unless you were doing fasted cardio. And I remember getting up at fucking stupid o'clock in the morning on my exercise bike that I bought off Gumtree, like trying not to wake my mom and dad up as I'm, in, as I'm in my bedroom doing a fucking fasted, half an hour of fasted cardio. Because I'm sure the belief was to put your body into fat burning mode the rest of the day. And if you didn't kick off your metabolism by doing fasted cardio, then there was no point in doing fucking anything else the rest of your day. It was all a waste of time. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, logically, could be correct. You know, mm-hmm. you've not eaten anything, so therefore your body's going to burn fat. But we actually have to look at the, the facts here. So you've got different energy systems that you use consistently throughout the day depending on how high your heart rate is, so which zone you enter into with your heart rate and what energy system that then demands from you. So you've obviously got your aerobic, which is basically your endurance zone. You can fucking go all day. Like if you had to walk for 24 hours, that's your 
aerobic zone. You can still aerobically run if you're doing a very light pace run, but the faster you tend to go with higher intense forms of exercise, you then move into your anaerobic zone and then you move into what would be described as your phosphocreatine zone. Phosphocreatine is used for people who are doing very sharp, short bursts of intense exercise. So think of Eddie Hall lifting the half a ton, the 500 kilogram deadlift, or Usain Bolt running the 100 meters in sub 10 seconds. That is your phosphocreatine system. So it would be utilized for sprints, one rep max, but also something important to say here is that your energy systems are very flexible as well. So for example, if you start off a sprint and run as fast as you can and enter into that phosphocreatine system for 10 seconds, you will start to see your performance decline and therefore you'll fall into your anaerobic zone after that because you can't sustain that level of intensity within that energy zone for any longer. Your anaerobic zone is essentially usually described as anywhere between kind of 10 seconds to three minutes. So that could be a very intense uh, weightlifting session in the gym if you're doing a very intense few sprints. So like it totally depends on how high your heart rate goes. So if you do sprints, and this is something that again, people need to kind of grasp an understanding of, if you tell someone, right, they need to sprint for 60 seconds, that's going to be a very different sprint than sprinting for 10 seconds, right? <laughs> I've had people come to me in the past and say, I can't sprint for 60 seconds. I'm like, well, what pace are you going at? And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, the sprint that you're talking about, how long can you sustain that run for? Like your version of a sprint, they're like, well, 10 seconds. And I'm like, okay, so you need to reduce the pace to be able to sprint and withstand and hold the pace for 60 seconds. So it's whatever you can you can basically sustain for that time period. But if you're doing like less intense forms of sprints, so trying to get it to last like 60 seconds, 30 seconds, stuff like that, you would be in your anaerobic zone as well. It would be maybe EMOMs, so like every minute on the minute where you're doing something maybe intense, 15 calories in the ski, 15 calories in the roar, then resting for the remainder of the minute before you go back into the next form exercise. That would be your anaerobic. And then you've got your aerobic where, like I said, you can last all day. But what we have to look at here is essentially which energy systems you use or what energy sources you use within these energy systems. So aerobic, because your heart rate isn't really that high, you don't have a demand to use blood glucose or stored glycogen. Obviously, when you consume carbohydrates, because into the bloodstream is glucose, insulin is released. The storage hormone then pushes it into muscles for future forms of fuel or the liver in form of glycogen. So when you have a low heart rate, essentially you will use fat as the energy source to aerobically perform. So that low intense energy zone, that aerobic zone, you would use fat as your initial source because essentially it's more available. It's more available than the carbohydrates are because you're not working to an intense level enough to have the carbohydrates from the muscles or even the liver be disposed back into the bloodstream. But... Also, if you, for example, had a carb-based breakfast, carb-based lunch, carb-based dinner, and then went out and walked because your blood glucose is heightened, your body would primarily use glucose even for aerobic exercise because that is the available form of fuel at that time because your glycogen or your glucose hasn't been stored as glycogen yet, right? And then your aerobic system essentially would use um, phosphocreatine, so it's 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 stuff that's created within the body it's actual particles and molecules that are created inside of the body that's why um, a lot of people will take creatine as a supplement for example because you've only got so much creatine that you can actually create within the, the body and if you supplement that as an external source you've got more availability of it to then be able to bind with adenosine diphosphate to make adenosine triphosphate which is atp which is like the body's energy currency so because your energy systems are so flexible and because depending on what you've ate, when you've eaten it, if you're fasted, you can be using different forms of fuel. So essentially, if someone logically had to think, well, if I do aerobic forms of exercise, i.e. low intense walking or jump on the Stairmaster and I am fasted, then I will burn fat. That's where the, the thought process went. But if obviously I eat a meal and then I go out and do the same thing, I'm going to use carbs. So I want to burn fat, right? But you're not actually metabolizing fat. Right? You're not metabolizing fat because you're not in a caloric deficit. You need to understand that fat is used as a fuel source as well. But when you eat more fat, it tops up the fat that you've already used. Right? Mm -hmm. So this is what yeah. people need to understand is like, if so that's why the fasted cardio was they make meals fourteen stone a day. I, then, so it's like if you if you eat more carbs, primarily the source of 
energy that you're going to use during exercise is going to be more carbs. If you ideally have a higher fat-based diet, you're going to have more higher fat-based fuel to use, right? It's literally as simple as that. And if you then consume more of these two nutrients, it's just going to top up what you've used unless you're in a caloric deficit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's literally as simple as that. It is that fucking simple. And that's all it needs to be. So it's a calorie deficit all day fucking long. <laughs> Notice the theme here, guys. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, that, that was a big one. And something that you said um, actually just at the beginning of the podcast, um, which stood out to me, and I'm trying to recall what it was when you were talking about your experiences. Um, I think it was actually the, bo- the bodybuilding thing I was going to talk about. We are actually, people are drawn towards coaches and professionals for what it is that they do and what bias they hold, right? Which I think is really important. So if you're someone who loves keto, for example, you will be drawn towards someone who is promoting keto, shouts about keto, screams from the fucking hills about keto. If if you're drawn towards someone who has a great physique, it's like, oh, well, I'm drawn towards that person because I want to look that way. And that's why I think a lot of people fail throughout their journey as well, because they don't actually understand what needs to be done from that person's own bias to achieve the result. And the thing is, a lot of coaches sometimes will stand in their own way from getting clients' results because they will only provide their way of working and their solution instead of actually saying this person can get the result by just doing things in a different way that's more sustainable and more suitable to them, you know? So... For example, instead of telling you to do fasted cardio, they could say, okay, well, you can't guard that early because you've got kids or you start work at 6 a.m., whatever it may be, you've got these constraints. Why don't we just place cardio elsewhere? But you're a failure if you didn't do the fasted cardio. Yeah, yeah, you just didn't want enough. Yeah, you just didn't want it enough. Like their belief systems, whatever dietary approach they, they use, whatever training approach they use, that is usually why people are drawn towards them. And don't get me wrong, a lot of people will gain success from that if they're really drawn into the person, their belief systems, the things that they stand for, but also they haven't really explored what else is possible from a sustainability standpoint. So they might get the result, but they might not actually sustain the result because what got them the result was able to get them the result, yes, but was it something that they could actually make part of their life long-term for the rest of their life? I remember back in the day, I thought fasted cardio, I'd be able to do that every morning for the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) But then you find different ways of working. You realise that it doesn't matter what fucking time you do cardio, as long as you do your cardio, if you're fucking doing a form of cardio. It doesn't matter what time you eat at, right? You can eat at whatever time you want. You don't have to have breakfast. It's not the number one meal of the day, right? All of this fucking bollocks. So I think you need to be very, very careful when buying into someone, their beliefs and their bias, because you're drawn towards them for that particular reason. Like if you're someone that's drawn towards an individual for following a flexible dieting approach, and you're like, you know what, I want to be able to get in good shape, still want to be able to live my life. You also still have to understand the components that go into that as well. You know, like I think so many people are like, I love that. All the foods that I enjoy is still part of the process. But as we've already explored and obviously seen within the people that we coach it's not always possible for them to have the same relationship that we have built with that food or with training for them to be able to get the result either because there's so many different components from an emotional perspective beliefs the way they think the stress in their life and sometimes you actually have to take things away from them before you can actually start to integrate it back in um but also the other thing that stood out from what you said was the training for performance thing you're always training for fat loss Right. And I think there's probably a myth in here. I'm trying to probably word it in the best way I can. The myth would probably be trust the process and the process will prevail. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That trust the process thing, you need to trust the process. Right. But see, when the process doesn't really offer you a different perspective to why you're doing things, yeah. that's a myth. When you have to just stick to the plan, work harder, and make sure that you complete everything that's in front of you to get to the result that is essentially going to make you happier and going to improve everything about your life without anything in your life changing. That's the myth. You'll be happy when you get to your result. Yeah. Oh my God. I feel like I feel like I, that's the number one thing that I spend time managing people's expectation on and trying to talk people down from. And I think a lot of the time <clears throat> it's the belief that you've found the magic key like you found the answer like when I get this 
I will be all of these other things will go away and everything everything else that I'm finding difficult will be fine if I've just got this thing and it's like if you've never been there before then you can't predict how it's going to feel right and even if you have been there before you can't predict how it's going to feel now based on how it once felt right because you change your beliefs change like what you find important changes right so like you even if you've had it you can't guarantee how you're going to feel if you get it again and I think like you like you were saying there like being able to overhaul your life to achieve a result and actually to be able to sustain a result are two very different things because if your ways of achieving it are so hard right like I say this to people all the time if you're having to fight with yourself to fucking stick to your calories and go to the gym and do your steps and fucking go to your bed and do all these things if you're having to really really fight with yourself every single day you need to do most of your work on changing your perspective and, and the understanding of why you're actually doing it because see if it feels like a constant fight uphill struggle battle see the second you get to that goal you're going to fucking sack a lot of it off because it's no longer going to have purpose so it has to have purpose beyond the goal and I think that was probably the big thing that I was always missing with training is that I was preventing myself I was I was not giving myself permission to build a relationship with training being incorporated as a part of my life yeah. because it was only there to facilitate one thing um, and I can remember oh my god so many so many fucking lies um, being told to me about like the things that I used I had to do and I remember a PT telling me not to do if I was doing bicep curls I don't do you remember bicep 21s oh yeah if I was doing bicep curls I was only to do bicep 21s and I, I wasn't to do anything else because unless I did specifically 21 reps so for anyone who doesn't know what it is you would do like a bicep curl in three stages so you'd do it like a third of each like range of motion seven seven and seven yeah. And I was told specifically that if don't do it any other way, as if twenty, as if I did twenty two, and it was all going to be, it was all going to be fucked if I did fucking twenty or twenty two, like just so ridiculous. But that was my first introduction to strength training. My first introduction to strength training was unless you're in the gym for an hour and a half, you're not. It's a waste of time. So unless you're in the gym for an hour and a half, two hours, there's no point in going at all. Um, walking in the treadmill before you did your strength training was a, you had to walk in the treadmill for half an hour before you even went near a machine something about fucking I don't even know I can't even actually remember what the reason was something about fucking kickstarting your fucking muscles your metabolism some other shite um, and then not doing cardio which was mad so I can remember actually speaking to a personal trainer about this and I was like but what about like and this is a rare glimmer of fucking awareness for me because I was like what about my health though like surely I should be and he was like strength training is the healthiest form of exercise you can do don't do any cardio none at all all you need to do is strength training and like see on reflection so I had gone from only do cardio right so I used to do body pump body combat and body attack back to back three classes right Fucking mental, right? Or I would do to always do a minimum of two back to back. I would never go near the gym because I was only interested in losing weight. So if you went to the gym, you end up big and bulky, right? Which is hilarious now, understanding the level of effort you have to go to, like to get bulky and much, like it needs to be your fucking full life. Yeah. Um, and thinking that me flagging about a fucking 5k dumbbell was all of a sudden going to turn me into China for WWE, right? So <clears throat> I remember doing like all the mental cardio, all the fucking Les Mills, spin like relentlessly walking in the treadmill at an incline, incline on a certain set and then you had to fucking speed walk. And that was the only time. And, and I'm like, how did we go from those two extremes so quickly? Like from your perspective, how did it go from women should only do cardio if they want to lose weight to all of a sudden don't fucking walk a step, just strength train? Yeah, again, it comes through in phases and kind of seasons, doesn't it? Something new comes out. So I think because at that time, social media was becoming such a big thing, you had your kind of like first sort of influencers on the scene. And yeah. these women would be in great shape. They would be 
muscular, they would be athletic. Athletic is probably the best word to use for them. And they would preach about the fact that they only lifted weights, you know. But again, it's like, even coaches now will say lift weights don't do cardio for fat loss, which I think is, again, a bit of a, a myth. Or if you want to build a great physique, do cardio, don't, no, sorry, uh, lift weights, but don't do any cardio. And, you know, it's just such conflicting messages because it's always coming from people who only care about how they look and not really caring about their health, yeah. you know. And as it's like people who are ripped that are in great shape that people look up to and want to be like preaching this shit and you're like, calm down now, mate, right? Because there's myths in here. You need to do cardio for your overall health because the thing is, I have this discussion with people so often. Some people will say to me, how am I in this shape? Like maybe they're a bit lighter, maybe they're quite lean, yet that person can do more than me when it comes to cardio-based intense forms of exercise. And that other person they're talking about might be a couple of stone heavier. You know, they may have excess body fat. You can be metabolically healthy and still carry body fat, right? You can be metabolically healthy and still carry body fat. It doesn't mean that if you carry body fat, you are unhealthy, right? You really have to understand that body image really determines absolutely sweet fuck all about what anyone knows, right? Literally, this whole thing of people need to practice what they preach, absolutely, but if they're preaching health and fitness and they're only talking about building muscle and having a six pack, then they're not really talking about, about health and fitness. They're just talking about being ripped with a six pack. <laughs> and again, why this is going to solve all your problems because they perceive that it's solved all their problems. And I think coming onto the scene back then where it went from cardio bunnies to almost fucking, and that was the phrase back then. It's like, yeah. oh, when people started doing strength training, it was like, oh, you're still a cardio bunny. You're just a cardio yeah. bunny. Like, fucking yeah. fuck off. It was fucking misogynistic as fuck. Shock horror. Like, I... we had this wee woman still being Les Mills. God forbid you enjoyed I it. I know. So <laughs> I think it was, I think these women started to come on at the scene, these kind of like symbols of athletic women that people wanted to be more like. So they just thought to themselves, Do you know what? A woman's strong. She's sexy. I want to be like that. So let's just focus primarily on weight training. Now, this kind of goes back into the thing that we were talking about previously around only exercising for caloric output to look a particular way, right? It all comes back to that because even the people at the time that were thinking about wanting to look that way, look that athletic, weren't thinking about building muscle. They were thought they were thinking about just how they can get through their sessions and burn as many calories as possible to try and equate that to the calories that we are burned during cardio-based sessions. You know, and you would have easily fell into that trap because if you never got the results doing it that way before and someone told you no, because this is the secret, this is what you've not been doing, you would have bought into that massively. So you take away that component of focusing on your health to just focus on resistance training. You do burn significantly less calories. And guys, that's another myth about tracking your uh, calorie output on your... Oh, like up to 93% inaccurate, right? 93% inaccurate. You were talking to me before about like the heart rate spike in the morning like yeah like I, I so like I can remember when I first started training with you in the gym floor I used to wear an apple watch yep. and then I used to get so annoyed at myself over the calorie burn because when we would have a PT session I would burn in inverted commas like 800 calories whereas when I did it on my own I could only get like 400 and I kept saying to you like I'm not doing it as well I'm not doing it as good and you were like Jen shut the fuck up <laughs> you were like one, you're not going to train as intensely on your own as you do with a personal trainer because I'm pushing you past the point of your like perceived fatigue levels so that when you're then in the gym, what you think you're capable of gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger over time, right? I'm here to show you how much more is in the tank. I'm here to make it more difficult. Remember you used to do that fucking sick, sick thing on the leg extension when you would push down in the pad and make you push it disgusting right disgusting you're a fucking sick man um he was like obviously you're not training like this like the way you would with me so you're not going to get the fucking calorie burn the same and i'm pretty sure you told me back then as well and it's fucking inaccurate um so for so long in the gym i was not interested really in what i was doing I was, I was determining whether I had a good or bad, bad session on the basis of a calorie burn on a fucking app that was completely inaccurate. And once I learned that they weren't right, it was almost like I was like, well, I'm not even going to fucking bother recording it then because, like, what, what's the what's the point? Like, I know I've done it. I'm still going to do it. 
It's the same as the people who won't go for a walk unless they've got a fucking like Fitbit or an Apple Watch on. Like the walk still counts. Yeah. Right? yeah. Done it, right? The training session still counts. You've still done it. But I think we've become so dependent on these things as a signifier of our work, right? It's also really, really receptive to your threat and reward systems because it's like you get all these wee fucking shiny badges and streaks and woo, well done, look at what you've done. And it's mad because. Like, I remember, I can't remember if it was our event or if it was another event I was at. And because I was up and I was talking to people, we use our hands loads when we talk, right? And obviously, I was a bit nervous about doing a talk, so my heart rate was higher. I was much more switched on. So, like, when you're engaged and you're around people, you're aware of the room, you're aware of yourself. Obviously, that takes up so much more energy. So my heart rate was a lot higher than it would have been, like, at rest. And I was fucking sweating. Obviously, my fucking sweaty bitches were already established. And I remember it got to the end of the day and I went into Fitbit to put in my, to track what I'd eaten. <clears throat> and it told me that I'd burned like 1,100 calories that day. And I was like, I have not burned 1,100 calories standing talking to people in a fucking meeting room. Like, that, like fair enough, I'd, I'd walked loads, like I'd done loads of steps because I was up and moving about. But I'm like... I was not moving. Like, that's like a run. That's like a long run. Yeah. Calorie burn. There's no way me standing in a room talking to people has burned the same amount of fucking calories as it would if I went and ran fucking 10K. And I was like, I can understand how people then get caught in that trap of believing that just because my heart rate's higher then means that, like, I've fucking burnt more fat and therefore I can go and eat those calories. And then also a lot of people will use it as a signifier of how hard they've worked like I can walk 20,000 steps on a Monday and it tells me I've burned a thousand calories and I can walk the same 20,000 steps on a Tuesday and I've burned fucking 300 like they're so it just it it, it, people become I think so dependent on them as a signifier of success and I'm doing something right but it can also be because it's such an inaccurate reflection of what's actually being done you can 100% start to fucking beat yourself up if it's not, it's all come back to the expectation. It's not what I expected it to be. So it means that I've not been good enough. Like I said this to you before, like if I go into my Fitbit and it tells me that I've had a shit sleep, I start feeling tired. Yeah. Right? So I've just stopped checking it because see if I go in and it tells me your heart rate was only 5% below rest in the full night. And I'm like, that's a crock of shit. There is no way on earth that I have slept for, I mean, fair enough, nights I sleep for three hours, right? I'm quite a light sleeper anyway, but there's no way if I've slept for six, seven hours at night that my heart rate has been like spiking at random high points all through the night. Like, fair, I'm prone to nightmares, but I know when I've had a nightmare. Yeah. So like, I, it's just, it's almost like if I don't check it, I don't think about it. But then when I check it, it's like you only had fucking six minutes of deep sleep. You're going to be fucked. Don't train. Then it gives you a readiness score. So it says your readiness score is low, like active recovery only, don't train. And I'm like, but I feel good, so I'm yep. going to train. So I think it just, it, they really encourage you not to be intuitively linked with your body. And I think you really only need that intensive level of data tracking and metrics if you are like at performing at an athletic level. If you're a person who's doing really consistently high output of training for things and you would consider yourself someone who's doing a lot of athletic performance yes you need to know when you're in zone one two three and four you need to know like the what's the thing that each you need to have all these really detailed metrics but if you're just a fucking a fucker like me who does your steps does the odd run does a spin fit when you're angry trains in the gym for the love of it like you don't need to know how long you spent in a REM cycle last night. Do you know what I mean? Oh, 100%. You're not actually the first client as well that used to say to me, oh, I burn more more calories with you than I do in my own. And like I said, guys, like they are up to 93% inaccurate, right? That is a harrowing statistic. And you know, on average, how many calories a woman burns during a resistance training session on average? Do you know? No. 150 calories. What a shite. On an, that's, a, that's a fucking happy hippo. <laughs> I know. On an average resistance training session, now don't get me wrong, see if you're someone that trains intensely, don't listen to this and go, I fucking don't only burn 150 calories. Calories are hard things to burn, right? Just because you're washed, so you've got a 
you've got a really obscured view of how easily you think it is to burn a calorie based upon your watch and the inaccuracy of those, right? It is hard to burn calories. There's a few things here where if you're chasing, obviously, that reward system, you're actually going to not focus on a lot of what you need to from a resistance training standpoint to actually build muscle because everything that is related to um, burning more calories is all like fast, speed, less rest, right? So if you're not resting appropriately during sets, for example, which is roughly about two to three minutes for hypertrophy for muscle building, then you're not going to gain muscle, right? But people are like, I can't rest for two or three minutes in between sets, right? And it's like, well, if you are taking yourself to the point of failure or within the proximity of failure regularly, you might need two to three minutes to rest. Some people can maybe get away with 90 seconds, but if yeah. you really want to sit in the realm of building muscle as optimal as you can, that's roughly it. And that's yeah. why people sometimes look at their workout and be like, I've only got five exercises to do. And it's like, well, if you're actually doing them properly to failure, racing accordingly alongside that, then it's actually all you really need. Plus the stability aspect comes away from it. So obviously when it comes to building muscle, the, the most important thing is stability, right? And that's why people always argue, is it free weights or is it machines? I should use machines if you do not have the relevant stability with using free weights to start with. Even I use machines because it's great for stability, but not all machines fit everyone. There's 7 billion people on this planet. So not every single machine and every single gym is actually going to fit the biomechanics of each and every single person. But stability is the key. So if you then go from wanting to build muscle to then chasing a calorie burn on your watch, stability goes out the window, rest goes out the window, speed comes in. It's about how fast you can get through and how much you can sweat because you then start to relate sweating and working harder to that perceived reward that you're getting on your watch, which is burning more calories. And there's loads of studies done in this where they've actually asked people to like walk in a treadmill um, and dictate and guess how many calories they burned across the course of 45 minutes and over 60 minutes. And the people who done it for like 45 on an incline walk said like they burned 600 plus odd calories and they'd only burned like 280 calories when they actually like um like pinned them up to the machines and all that sort of stuff. And then the person who walked for like 60 minutes or the, the group that walked for 60 minutes on average, they'd said they'd burned over like 800 plus calories and they'd only burnt like 350, right? Mm -hmm. Walking for an hour on an, on an incline. So that goes to show like you will believe what you choose to believe based upon the feedback that you've got available to you. And it's even, there's a lot of research even around like how much we underestimate food as human beings as well. Like people who are hungrier will notoriously underestimate the amount of calories that are in food because they're hungry so in research it's like taking donuts and giving people donuts and saying how many calories are in that when they're hungry and they go 200 and it's like 400 right but then when yeah. someone's had a meal they're more satisfied they're fuller they then ask them again and it's like oh 350 360 380 they're actually more accurate because they've been fed and they're not telling themselves a fucking story about the reduced calories and something because they're more satisfied and they're thinking more clearly but i think the big thing here from a performance perspective and kind of like we've kind of alluded to here is like having a performance-based goal is far more appropriate for the results you want to achieve. And you also have to consider that what you said from an athletic standpoint, like if you are training to be like an athlete, which I think everyone can be within their own right, the greater the athlete, the more flexibility for indulgences, right? Mm -hmm. See if you are someone who isn't interested in running, cycling, swimming, doing a lot of intense form of exercise, you maybe just like to walk and go to the gym, your ability to inherently consume more indulgences than someone that is running marathons, half marathons regularly, maybe running 40 kilometers across the course of a week while training, while doing conditioning sessions, all that sort of stuff is going to be greatly reduced. So this whole thing about just focus on weights for fat loss is kind of bollocks. Because when we take into consideration a lot of what we see, people's relationship with food, their relationship with downtime, which also ties into their relationship with food and alcohol, their relationship actually with exercise in the first place, like trying to get someone to stay locked into something that they might not actually enjoy because they actually prefer something else but are scared to say so because they're being told that this thing is actually the solution. All of these things need to be taken into account. So that in itself can be a myth and it can be debunked. I'm not telling anyone right now whatsoever that they should not resist and train because you absolutely should. More so for performance-based benefits to get stronger, to actually fucking defend yourself against aging. Like as you get older, you will get onset or some people get early onset of sarcopenia. The sarcopenia is basically muscle loss. So as you age, you start to degrade, you start to lose muscle, you start to waste away. And everyone should be consuming 
even geriatrics, about 1.5 to 1.6 grams per kilogram of body weight in protein. General health for anyone that doesn't train in the gym, like everyone I think that doesn't train in the gym tends to think, oh, I don't need to eat protein because I'm not at the gym. It's for your fucking health. It's to battle against this sort of stuff. And resistance training as well will actually be the number one thing that stops sacropenia from happening. Like you should aim to resistance train well into your fucking later years. Like I think so many people get surprised with videos on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram these days when it's like, look at this 80-year-old guy in the gym still training. What an inspiration. You should be doing that. Yeah, yeah, it should be the norm. It should be the fucking norm. It shouldn't be like, oh, look at this one person. Yes, they're very inspirational for not succumbing to the normal thing that older generations do and just sit in their arse and wait to die. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's, but I or go to the pub, but instead they actually go and safeguard themselves and want to live longer. So your, your training in the gym from a resistance training standpoint should all be about your health, your functionality. And this is the thing, functional like functional activity is all person dependent. Functional for one person may be doing like a fucking overhead squat with like a barbell extended obviously above their head with their arms. Or for someone else, it could be an elderly gentleman or woman just wanting to get up off their sofa without using their hands, right? Like functional exercise is completely different things. So when people talk about functional stuff, that's another myth as well. It's like functional for what, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's functional for whatever the purpose is and the outcome is that that person wants to achieve in their desired form of activity or overall general health. So that muscle building thing is a bit of a, a myth because it really takes the individual away and doesn't really take their needs into account. And yeah. one thing that I've been seeing lately, and I think you've been seeing it as well, is people saying that running is really bad for fat loss. Oh my God, winds me up. Like one, you're allowed to do something that isn't good for, that isn't always good for the primary objective, right? Like this is this is something I was going to come on to because this is something that really fucks me off, is that, see, just because I'm on a fat loss journey, right? That doesn't mean that losing fat is always the number one most important thing in my mind, Right? I was away for two days at the weekend. I had a lovely time. I've probably gained fat from that, right? But that was 5% out of the whole journey that I have been on since the start of the year, where that has where fat loss has been the primary objective 80% of the time, right? And sometimes it's all right to give yourself permission to say, actually, that's not really a priority for me right now, right? But the bit that baffles me so much about the running thing is that I can equate, I can understand, like, I can understand people saying, oh, when you're in a fat loss journey, you maybe shouldn't go out and, like, overeat or overdrink or whatever. And I can get that because it's less about the actual event itself and more than knock-on effect. I have the ability that when the event is done, I can go straight back to business as usual. Now, I never used to have that ability. I had to work on it over a long time. Now it no longer bleeds into the following days maybe the following day when I'm hungover but by the time I'm back to business it's 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 no longer so I can understand that but then the bit that I don't understand about the running being fat for bad for fat loss is I cannot get my head around the fact people justifying that you burning more calories you give you giving yourself a higher a higher debt like a higher calorie deficit can be bad for fat loss I, I cannot get my head around it like what what's the what's the logic behind the myth yeah and it's almost like people want you to buy into things that you don't enjoy doing to achieve fat loss but something that you may enjoy doing is bad for you like there's something uh-huh. you can do with this 100 you know? like why can you not comprehend the fact that i run because i genuinely enjoy it yeah like and i think as well see as some see as a plus size woman quite a lot of the time like, see what you were saying there about, like, people can be, what's the word? Me, like Metabolically healthy. Metabolically healthy when they're high in carrying, like, carrying higher levels of body fat. So people a lot of the time will look at me and assume that I don't do any exercise and assume that, like, I don't, that, like, I'm just a big fucking lazy bastard, right? And genuinely, like, you've seen me train. Like, I can, I can, I last the full workout the same as everybody else. I've run a half marathon. Like, I can do all of these things quite well alongside like a fat loss journey like I, I, I can't get my head around the perception that everything has everything that you do in your whole life has to be orchestrated around that one objective like 
I didn't decide to run a fucking half marathon to lose weight. <laughs> like, it would have been a lot easier and faster, right, had I lost weight and run up to it. But I didn't, but that didn't change the fact that I still enjoyed doing it. Like, I just kind of get my head around the concept. Yeah, no, it's, it's mental. And I think even their, their information and their understanding is a bit skewed as well. And it usually comes from people sometimes that actually do run themselves as well. And again, this is the whole bias thing of like, if you are someone that runs and as a result of running, you are a lot hungrier or potentially it's not even the result of running. This is where self-awareness comes in actually. And I really want to touch on this quickly. I'll see a lot of coaches preaching stuff that people should and should not do, but it doesn't come down to the individual thing that they're talking about that's actually having an impact. It comes down to their own emotional volatility, their own issues that they're trying to overcome, the things that they've struggled with for years that they are not willing to talk to other people about. We work with a lot of individuals that we've helped get to a place of stability emotionally, where they have massively improved their relationship with food, with exercise, with alcohol. And they will openly say, like, I used to be ravenously hungry and I feel as if I'm not hungry for anything anymore. I'm like, yeah, because you're no longer emotional, (laughs) right? So these individuals may have been exercising in a particular way, let's say running previously when they were going through this. And they used to say running just makes me so much more hungry. But then when they laid the foundations emotionally, they're like, see, after I run now, I don't want to eat. And I'm I like, can't yeah. eat after I run, I'm not, yeah. I'm not hungry for hours. So this is actually going back to what we discussed on a previous podcast about stress. People saying, oh, um, stress stops me from losing body fat. Right, <laughs> not a fucking, not a fucking does it. Stress doesn't, as a chemical reaction, stress doesn't start to create calories within the body. Right? Yeah. <laughs> stress, if you're not losing weight through stress, it's because emotionally you are turning to things that are consu- making you consume more calories, and therefore you're not in a calorie deficit. Right, you're in maintenance, or you're in a surplus, and you're gaining weight. When you train intensely, when you take yourself into these energy systems, these higher energy systems we were talking about previously, the more stress you're under the more energy you take away from areas of the body that require energy when you're in your rest and digest state. So if we take the autonomic nervous system, we know we've got the fight or flight response. We know we've got the rest and digest response. We've got the fight or flight, which is your sympathetic, and then the rest and digest, which is your parasympathetic. So parasympathetic is where your body is in a rest and digest state. Basically, simply, the clue's kind of in the name, right? You can digest optimally when you're there because you've got energy going to the digestive tract. You can rest optimally because you've got a lower heart rate. So it allows you to go to sleep. It allows you to kind of nod off. Like see whenever you maybe have finished a a day at work and you sit on the couch and you've had a really fulfilling day and you might start to nod off. You're relaxed because you've been highly aroused throughout that day so much so that you've been kept calm and you've, you've not had to be stressed out. So that rest or digest state gives energy to all the areas in the body that need it. But the minute that you enter into, because by default, training is what we would describe as a hormetic stress. You you basically put yourself under that stress. You enter into the fight or flight response. Now, if you have to think about the fight or flight response, let's go back thousands of years because we still have the brains of cavemen and cavewomen. So if you were going to get chased by a fucking saber-toothed tiger, you would either fight the fucker, right? You would find a way to fight it or you would run like fuck. Probably the latter. Still catch and kill you anyway because I think... <laughs> When you're stressed out, you can't think properly anyway. So you think, I can outrun this fucking thing. (laughs) But what happens is when you're in that rest and digest state anyway, your body starts to release cortisol, epinephrine, so like adrenaline into the bloodstream because it needs you to have the energy to fight or to run. Now, when you place this hormetic stress through training onto the body, the same response happens. So you've got higher adrenaline, higher cortisol, higher blood sugar, because obviously the the glycogen's getting released into the bloodstream because the body needs the energy to help the muscles contract and to help perform the fight or the the run when you're running away from what it is that you're doing. So even though you know that you're not running away from a tiger or fighting a tiger, but you're going into a really difficult 5K speed test, your body's like, right, all energy needs to go towards this. All the energy that we have needs to go towards this, right? So if this person's trying to beat a 5K PB, they're going to be working intensely, they're going to be running like fuck, it needs the energy. So let's start pulling energy away from things like your digestive process because when you're under stress when you're fighting a tiger you don't need to digest food right let's pull it away this is why a lot of women as well when they overtrain and massively restrict through food will lose their period because essentially the body's like we don't need estrogen right now because we're not going to try and mother a child right we need to try and stay alive so let's pull energy away from that process that's like a lot of physical and psychological stress 
And I think that's what people actually don't understand as well, that it's not just physical stress that can lead you to that place. It's actually psychological stress as well. But when both of them are put together, it can be very destructive. This is why people who only focus on fat loss as a goal and overtraining don't do it for performance, have a lot of physical stress because they're not recovering well because they're under fueling and over exercising. Plus they're then asking themselves mentally, why the fuck am I not achieving this result? And everything about what they do is all about this result as well. So when we look at that response because your digestive tract doesn't actually get the energy provided to it when you're under large amounts of stress, which the body is still under after you finish like an endurance run, for example, or like a speed test, you are not back in that restorative parasympathetic state until you dictate yourself to be, right? So until you sit down, get your heart rate back down, chill out, whatever you need to do, sleep sometimes even, right? You know, after your half marathon, even after my marathon, I remember Joanne going, oh, you've just run a marathon. What do you want to eat? And I was like, fuck no, I'm not hungry. Like, I'd fantasised about that meal for fucking months and then I bought a Chinese and I could I took like two bites of bites because I remember you saying to me and see when I come over finish line and you were like just eat licks up like a protein bar like just kind of shove it into you and I was like I was trying to chew it and I was like this is fucking stinking <laughs> like it was aye. I got about fucking three bites of my Chinese and I was like I don't even want that aye so like at that stage because your body's under stress that there's a direct um nerve from the brain to the to the gut called the valus nerve and when that valus nerve dictates stress from the brain that's when your digestive system ceases to optimally perform so when you're under that stress by default you cannot be hungry really because your body's not asking you for fuel if anything it's emotional and i'll even i'll even find that after a tough run to so see if people go it was a tough run i was fucking starving it's like are you starving or was that a really hard run yeah. You know, are, are you are you needing comfort after that run? Because people need to see that food is far more than just something to fuel you, something that enables you to manage your fucking caloric intake for fat loss or muscle building, whatever it may be. It's an emotional tool as well. And it's okay to be an emotional tool at times, right? Like when I finish fitness events, sometimes I went and got a donut after it because I just really needed a donut because that was fucking hard, right? Yeah. That was hard. You know, like, and that's what people need to understand. So like running by default, the physiological process that happens actually suppresses hunger more than it actually makes you hungry. Don't get me wrong. You might actually, because you've used up a lot of fuel, find it subsequently days after, but you can then also place that food where it's most necessary, when it's necessary most. So like if yeah. you're not hungry after a run, I'm not telling you to run so that you fucking don't have to eat, but you might not feel hungry. The likelihood is you won't feel hungry after you run, right? That is why we joke a lot about this with the guys. That's why when your digestive system isn't functioning, you usually get the runner shits where you feel yeah. like you shit yourself, right? Yeah. Because your fucking digestive system's under so much fucking stress. So if you're not hungry after runs and say, for example, you leave over 500 calories from today, but the next day you feel overly hungry, use the 500 calories then, yeah. right? Yeah. Still hitting your deficit. And it only becomes more increasingly difficult the leaner that you do get, right? So see if you are someone who is not at maintenance, not eating for performance, but you're in a deficit eating for performance to a degree and fat loss at the same time. When your body fat storages get quite low and you are still running multiple kilometers or miles per week that's when you might get a sense of hunger not purely because of the runs and the output but mainly because of how far away from homeostasis you are because you are lean because your body is literally like right you're past the point of where we perceive to be sustainable right now you need more fuel back in you so yeah. if you're someone that's going through a gradual fat loss journey you should be fine to run and not feel the subsequent effects really everyone's individual and i don't want to be too generalized here so like i said if you are hungry afterwards then Give yourself the, the opportunity to eat a little bit more food. You don't really need to carb load for any long runs until you maybe have about like 16 plus K anyway. But you can always put more fuel in if you need to, to try and mitigate it as long as it's coming from sources that are actually going to satisfy you. But you'll probably find that you're not actually as hungry as you perceive yourself to be. And this doesn't even just come down to running. It comes down to other intense forms of exercise. Like could be fucking cycling, could be swimming, like speed work with swimming. It could be anything. So people just need to recognize that because people that are fucking preaching that it's bad for fat loss because you become incredibly hungry. Physiologically, it's just not the fucking case. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And I think there's some things that's like, 
old school perception of like you need some like I can remember like being wee and my mum always being like like and do you remember you would go swimming you you were wee you would come out fucking starving like and I feel like you would be genuinely hungry as a wee after the swim and like why but it was just because in the Blanter Sports Centre they did chips up the stair that all of a sudden I was ravenous right like have loves Doug but like there's always this thing like I was me and Paul were talking about this like we are not three square meals a day people even when I'm not in a fat loss phase even if back in the day when I was fucking balls to the wall scranning I, I, I'm not a breakfast person I never have been I love breakfast food I don't get hungry in the mornings right and yep. see especially if I'm busy I won't always feel hunger till about three or four o'clock in the afternoon right just totally depends on the day totally depends how I'm feeling if it doesn't cross my mind now, like I, I will be a lot more kind of thingy with it. And I noticed that the reason that I don't feel hungry until later on is because I no longer have a lunch break. Yeah. So when I worked in offices, I used to have to like schedule in a lunch break or other people would be going for lunch. So I would just go and have my lunch with those other people. So in my mind, I, my stomach would start rumbling at like half 12 and I'd be like, I'm hungry because it's lunchtime, right? When I actually... Now, when I come back to like my day to day, where I don't have like a lunch break or breaks, some days I'm hungry at twelve, some days I'm not hungry till three, four. Right? Actually, sometimes I forget. I, I you ever get it when you're so busy and you like you forget that you're like a human being. You actually eat sometimes. Yeah. And I'm like, how busy? Why is that? And I'm like, oh, it's fucking four o'clock in the morning, right? And I'll still eat like my calories. I just eat them in a much like shorter window. Yeah. Sometimes when you tell people this, they're like, oh my God, what? why are you doing it? That's so bad for you. And I'm like, bitch, where? I... What part of that is bad? Paul's been this way his whole life. He always eat, eat like, even with like, New Year holiday and stuff, he'll not eat till late, late, late in the afternoon. His mum gets so stressed out about it. But it's just the way he's always been. He's like, I don't feel hungry until then. But then we'll eat a higher volume of food in a shorter period of time, right? And I think, like, Sometimes you can get so caught up in, again, the mess, the perceptions of what you should be doing and what's normal. You can start to question these things when they don't measure up to what everybody else is saying. Mm. So for a long time, I was like, oh, shit, I better eat something. And I'm like, but why? <laughs> right? Like, why am I forcing food in when I'm not fucking hungry? But I think, like, a lot of the time, I feel like that's kind of what's been perpetuated by training as well. It's like, you can't do that. Like, you need to be doing this. Well, fucking says who? Like, I truly do believe that, like, once you start to let go of the need for your training to facilitate a thing, right, and more a state and a way of being, your perception of it changes completely. Because once you start to, once it starts to develop the state that you want to live your life in, yeah. you don't get up for anybody you don't want to pack it in because it fuels a way of feeling like I can't imagine my life now without getting out for fresh air for a walk every day right I can't imagine not going to fucking spin when I'm pure angry right or like even playing sport like I would never have had myself down as the kind of person who would have enjoyed playing sport and it was such a huge part of my life like so there's all these things now that I do that I genuinely really enjoy for how they make me feel but it's almost as if when people are trying to sell you something, they're not giving a fuck about how it makes you feel. They only really want to promise you that end result of how you'll feel when you get X. But yeah. I think some things that quite a lot of the time, coaches, PTs, they struggle to they struggle to support people to understand what helps them to develop their state. And I think something that we do quite well, and Rue does this a lot with the guys as well. He's like, what do you enjoy? Like, what what like what's the kind of movement that you love? The most, what do you find really fun? Like, I didn't realise how much I loved, like, see, like, the small group, see, like, the kind of stuff we do at events, which is, like, the small group PT, like, that kind of intense, like, mm. I really, really enjoy stuff like that. But, like, had I not just experimented with it, I would never find out that I enjoyed it and then thought about, like, where else could I do this that I might enjoy it more? Because I'm not really getting a fuck about what it does other than how it makes me feel. And I think just giving people permission to actually not find the best form of exercise or the thing that's the fucking hottest trend that gets you exactly what you want like bring it back to actually how is this benefiting me as opposed to what is this getting me yeah yeah no i i actually couldn't agree more with that the food thing first and foremost huge people just treat themselves like garbage disposals you'll probably see in chat sometimes i actually say to clients you will not die if you don't eat for this long mm -hmm. <laughs> when they're like 
when they're like, oh, I'm going out for this meal, it's going to be this many calories, I know it's going to be heavy, what should I do? And I'm like, well, if you want the result that you're telling me you want, plus you want this, then this is what you're going to have to do. And they're like, oh, is that not too long to go without food? And I'm like, well, no, you're not going to die off. Like you have fast, you have fat storages and you have fucking glycogen in the body. Like you have fuel there. Like you're not going to die. Um, and then the second thing as well, like around that training, um, the enjoyment part of training is so true. Like obviously the stress I've been under the last couple of weeks, like people, and I think this is another kind of poor perception that people may have when they look at maybe individuals like me on social media, when I talk about like still crushing my week from an exercise perspective, even though everything's going on, but it's because that's the only thing that's going to let me escape and feel good about myself and get into that flow state when there's so much other stress in it. And I don't have a, like I was training for high rocks, obviously that's over now. I'm really only just kind of ticking over until I'm, I'm getting married and just losing the final bits of my fat, but I'm not going out and smashing my runs and my conditioning sessions and all that sort of stuff for that. It's like, I need that feeling. Like I am so stressed out my box. Like I done work every single day last week for the first time in a while like even over the weekend because I had to be done and I'd got into quite a good routine of of taking my weekends back for myself but every now and then that happens if I know that's going to happen it's like well, where is that opportunity I can get for myself to really just get into that fucking flow state that I know so well and that allows me to deal with that other stuff better and another myth that I think is very coincided with this that actually new research came out more research came out recently. Yeah, that's probably the best way, but more research came out about this recently that actually kind of supported my bias to be true is that people who are underslept, like see when people say, listen to your body, you've not slept that well, like you've had three hours sleeping out and you're still smashing spam when you're angry, right? People will say, don't do exercise and just listen to your body. But I thoroughly believe that people have not reached that limit where they know how to listen to their body yet. It's kind of a way to give themselves a day off. And this research supported that there was pretty much zero variance in trained individuals with training that slept for less than control groups that slept for longer periods of time. And basically, I think the only the only kind of um, change in data was that their lifting velocity on pull movements was less than 1%, which isn't going to have a massive impact. So you might be tired, but it doesn't impact your ability to perform. Whereas the people that it did affect the most were the people that didn't have the motivation to train. So my mm -hmm. thing is find the thing that allows you to enjoy yourself when you train so that when you're tired, you still get that shit done, right? Yeah, 100%. And the thing is, is that if I know if I've had a shit sleep I'm and I feel like shit, the thought of me going to the gym and strength training is not going to be attractive. In that moment, I need something intense that yeah. I know is going to give me a fucking rush after it and help me feel energized. So yeah. that's the thing I'm going to seek out is the intense thing that makes me feel fucking brilliant at the end of it. Yeah. Right? I also know if I book in and I need to pay for it and I'm using up a slot, I'm going to feel too guilty not to go. That I'm yeah. going to be forced more to go. So like, it's almost like you need to know your own bullshit. You need to know that you need to know the lies that you tell yourself. Yeah. To, to have an alternative to preempt the fucking the bullshit. Yeah. No, I, I could not agree with more with that. And I actually wrote my Instagram on Friday, like this week, last week had been so heavy. I just needed to fucking batter myself. That's like literally all I said. I needed to go in here this morning. I needed to batter myself. And I just made up a workout that was disgusting. It was like 35, 40 minutes longer than my usual thing. And see, after it, all weekend, I feel fucking incredible. Feels yeah. so good. And people need to take more of that into account when they're actually thinking about what they want to achieve. And that's why we do what we do so well, because yeah. we can read between the lines. We know people's bullshit just as much as them. We want people to train and do what they enjoy. So it's sustainable yeah. and better off yet. We have all the fucking knowledge to match. 100%. If you're not enjoying it, fuck it off and go and find something that you do enjoy. Exactly. <laughs> like you don't need to enjoy all of it. You're never going to, I'm never going to be the kind of person who fucking loves every single minute of exercising. But you have to find the thing that makes you feel at your best. Yeah. And then just go and do that. Go and do that until you're feeling great all the time and then expand your horizons a wee bit. 100%. Like I fucking hate running half the time, but I love how it makes me feel. 100%. And it's, <laughs> it's worth it for that one K that you get like in the middle where you feel Aye. fucking invincible. The other 14 feeling like shit or worse. <laughs> Hi, and I hope from this episode, guys, you also recognise that you don't have to run to be a part of our community. Like, yeah, I quite a lot. 
So just so you know, you don't actually have to run, but most people do because they seek out something that they've never explored before and realize they quite like it. So if you want to find the answers to these questions that you potentially have never found, come and work with us. And if you believe something that you think might be a myth, slide into our DMs and we'll, we'll confirm it for you. Aye. All right, we'll fucking tear it to shreds. Yeah. We'll not, we'll not bully you. We'll not be that. We'll not bully you. We'll, we'll bully the myth. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> but we're going to round up here today guys if you've enjoyed it please share reach out if you've got anything that you want to talk to us about and um, we're more than happy and more than willing consistently to accept gracious feedback but also help where we can so Jen hopefully you feel less hungover as the day goes on <laughs> fucking alky bastard <laughs> and uh, I will be going to the gym soon as we talk about the gym so guys over now have a fantastic day and enjoy the rest of your week bye